When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and grab your seat. You sit comfortably, then let's dive in. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, hay fever? No, not hay fever, I don't think, mate. To be honest, just a little sneeze. Look at these. They're very lovely. Now, because I have to read things uh, off screens and scripts, the the glasses have come into play. I knew you were in the market for some. Well, I'm 46-year-old man, Griff, and apparently your eyesight goes. It's a look. So it got to the point where... It's a look. I I was on set. And obviously I'd done my homework and I knew my lines, but I took my sides with me as a bit of a comfort blanket. I think I might have said this before on an episode. But I was looking at these words and I was going, I cannot make out what is going on here at all. And it was worrying. So I took myself off for an eye test and they went, yeah, you you just need some reading glasses. You just need a magnifying glass for your eyes, basically, obviously. Functional um, and stylish, man. Well, I took somebody with me who's um, infinitely more stylish than I am because um, I can't get uh, uh, anything on what is stylish because I've never had glasses before. Um, but I'm quite happy, and my God, they're so useful for work. How do you feel they've changed your demeanour since you started wearing them? I always found that when I wore glasses that I just carried myself slightly differently. I don't know whether it's like a maturity thing or you've they've always had the kind of the weight of eruditeness about them, haven't they, glasses? Yeah, I think there was a time when I was younger that I think I begged for an eye test because I wanted glasses because I thought they were stylish or, or maybe it was like the young actor in me that I thought I could create another character with, with a young lad from the northwest who wears glasses. <laughs> I don't know. But obviously I was swiftly denied because my, my eyes were fine um i feel more confident i must admit um and it's all to do with like i because lo- i love reading and there was a time when i felt embarrassed that i couldn't read because i didn't know what was going on i thought is it because i'm working too hard is it because i'm tired things are blurry i can't quite see i was doing i was pulling the menu back and forth to my face and um, and it was my girlfriend that pointed out. She went, "Just try these on for a second. And I went, "Oh my yeah. god, I can see like this menu, and I can I start back reading." So it, it, I think it's given me much more confidence. And obviously, a large portion of portion, a large portion of the main job I do is reading because I'm just reading scripts and reading for research and whatever. 
And if I can't do that, then I'm kind of buggered. So it's it's given me loads more confidence, if I'm honest. It's buzzing, isn't it? It's like when you're watching television on Channel One and then you flip over to 101, BBC One HD, you're like, shit, <laughs> I was getting all the information, but it just looked terrible before. Now it's like the world's 4K and yeah. everything's better. I must admit, when I put on the pair of glasses for the first time, I was overcome with emotion because I went, oh, everything's so clear and I can read. And I know it sounds silly, but yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant. Um, I'm just I just keep them with me at all times. They're always in my bag. Nice, so look. Um, so we uh, it's well, one. It's nice to see you because we haven't seen each other for ages, and season ten has kicked off, and it's been. A very strong celebration of powerful women. You know, there's been just incredible stories coming through. Um, and kind of long may it continue. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're booking as we go along. And the reason, I'll just let everybody know, the reason why we haven't got a guest is I... I'm filming a new series at the moment. We're just at the end of the first block um, of episodes. And then I've got to do block two and then I start something else. It's just, things are just very busy. And also I've had my son with me for the last five days. Um, and he came on set, Griff, <laughs> for, two, for two days. Carnage. Which was brilliant. Well, uh, no, he's look. You know what Hardy's like. He's very talkative, and he can talk to an adult. Well, he's interested. He's interesting. He can get there. But yesterday, because of scheduling, we came in very early in the morning, which he was all right with. I got him a pillow and a blanket for the car journey because we had an hour's journey out of London, where we are, to the location. And we filmed this scene, and he's great because he, they, they look after him, they give him a pair of cans, and he sits and he watches the monitor, and he's kind of interested, you know, for a certain amount of time. But then we had a five-hour downtime in the trailer. Five hours, me and Eek. him, an 11-year-old. Now, of course, I've taken the precaution of it because I know, like, the, the most, you know, we basically get paid for sitting around. I, I, I understand that. So I thought an 11-year-old will not understand that. So there was books, there was sketch pads, there was crayons, there was games. We even did a disco at one point. And then it got to four o'clock and we were both climbing the walls and it was sweltering, you know, where we were. Um, but he was a very good boy, but he's, uh, he's gone back to uh he's gone back to his mum today and i think uh any uh notions of becoming an actor may have been uh <laughs> sweated out of him be, uh, 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 having uh, waiting around for for five hours um so griff hopefully it won't be too long till we're back together and recording uh human beings together because this remote shit is uh upsetting and annoying but speaking of people who are recording podcasts in person our good friends mr martin comston and gordon smart yesterday 
released the first episode of their podcast called Restless Natives. Um, and it's an Audible original, so go and check it out. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. I don't think they know what it is yet. But, my God, it's entertaining. So, obviously, you know Martin Comston from this podcast and from the telly. So, Gordon is journalist and a radio presenter, has been for years. They've been friends for a long time. And it's about them getting together, telling stories, um, embarrassing each other. It's uh, it's nice. It's two rascals getting together on a podcast. So uh, I think they're going to have some in, some interviews. I think they're going to have some guests at some point. I think it'll morph into something completely different in about 10 episodes' time. But their first episode, I listened to it today uh, on a train from London, Victoria. And uh, it was very entertaining. So, yeah, Restless Natives, give it a search where you get your podcasts and support Martin and Gordon. And Griff, while I'm talking about podcasts, and I don't talk about Are you going to let me speak at all? I will, I will, I will, sorry, I will. (laughs) But, you know, there's an advert going around for a certain um, uh, monetizing company for podcasts. And they start off by saying in their advert, uh, you know, if you've got something to say, then, you know, you should definitely... Uh, yeah, no, no, you shouldn't. No. You, oh, <laughs> thank you. No, you fucking shouldn't. It annoys There's me. There's too many already, <laughs> by a long stretch. There's far too many. But the worst thing is, there's too many bad ones. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to gatekeep the media, do you? Like, everyone should, it's, it, it's a great democratising thing, the podcast. But if you've got something to say, go and talk to your mate about it. Like, don't start a podcast. No one else want, needs to listen to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. My God, thank you. Because every time it pops up, when I'm driving long distances and I've I've got some podcasts on the go and it comes up and it grates me every time. <laughs> it's like go, it's like uh, talking to your funny mate down the pub who always holds court and goes, "Do you know what? You should give up your job and you should be a stand-up comedian." Definitely, because obviously there's no difference between you being the funny guy down the pub to getting on stage. So you should, it's seamless, you should do that. No, you <laughs> bloody shouldn't. So no, if, you, so just if you're thinking about starting a podcast, have a point, have a reason, don't just do it and don't listen to that advert. You know the advert I'm talking about, everybody. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, Griff? They say as they launch into a highly... <laughs> Unscripted and badly researched last minute question and answer podcast that they put no forethought into. Yeah. We've been doing it for five years though, so we were here first. Yes, that's exactly. Yes. And uh, this is last minute solution to actually get an episode out. Um, Griff, do, have we got some questions? I think we have. Yeah, loads. Oh, right. Loads oh, came through. Tons. Um, we've got one from Katie Bainbridge, who often sends questions. Oh, she does. So Hello, Katie. Sh- She's got five for us. The more discussion points. So the first one is pineapple on pizza. Is it a crime or is it not? Now, sometimes we get um, the big questions. Sometimes we get the big emotional questions. I don't know where this stands. I think it's on the other end of the spectrum. Look, 
Griff, where do you stand on this? I mean, I'm not going to... I don't want to give too much time to this question, but... Uh, I think it's part of a, a wider discussion of culture, I think. Like, I'm sure it tastes delicious, but by saying you do like it, you're, like, firmly painting yourself in a, a non-foody kind of, like, uh, salt-of-the-earth type character. And I don't think the, the, line, the battle lines are that defined. I wouldn't eat it personally. I think no, it's... me neither. Me neither. I wouldn't. But nor would I frown upon anybody ordering it. Um, nah. And I think on the rare occasion I do have pizza, and I bloody love pizza when it's good. It's pepperoni all the way, and let's not mess with the classic. It's a classic. Have you got fire alarms going on at your house? Yeah. Can you hear them outside? Yeah, quite a lot. Um, should, should I shut uh, the door? I don't know. I don't want you melting. No, no, well, I won't. If... Like, I th- all right, do that. I think you might have gone off now. Can you hear it? No, it's, it's gone, gone now. Great. Keep, keep this in. Keep all this in. This great content. Great content. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever do a reality TV show? And if so, which one? Griff, that's a question for you. Would you ever do a reality TV show? Uh, well, it's not one for no, me. No, really, no, no. I mean, it? I think on me on I th- no. But let's say you were offered a reality TV show. Would you do it, and which one would it be? No, I'd be awful. I'd be terrible to watch. I'm a deeply miserable man, I think. And I can't stand the company of other people. Even the people that I love dearly, I can't stand the company for more than three or four days, tops. So a month and a half inside a Big Brother house. Um, yeah, what, I'd be nasty, Nick, I think. What about um, Celebrity MasterChef? Yeah, I think I'd have to go in the normal one because I'm not a celebrity. All right, okay. Well, I've seen just MasterChef in general, then. The standard's very, very high. You're a good. I'm, you're a good cook, though. Yeah, but I'm not Master Chef good. Like I, I don't f- perform well under pressure. I'd, uh, I'd have a paddy, I think. And if if I got to the quarterfinals where they do that thing where John Trode's bollocking you in the kitchen, I'd, uh, I'd definitely crumble under that kind of pressure. Would you get quite angry with John Trode? Uh, I think I'd be more upset, to be honest. I don't think I think the kitchen environment doesn't sit well with me. It's. Uh, it's kind of it's got a different set of rules to it. Hasn't yeah, it? I mean, I, I love it. I love watching it. No, I mean, my answer is absolutely no, no, hundred percent. I wouldn't do anything, not at all. I, my personal opinion on reality TV shows, it's fine. You know, I know some actors, some people get annoyed about them that they're just, uh, you know, they're on all the time. And they're maybe taken away from drama and comedy segments on television uh, uh, networks, and that's fine. But the people who thrive well on reality TV shows are TV presenters, export stars. um, Wankers as well. Oh, wankers. Yeah, totally. Yeah, wankers. Yeah, we've seen a few (laughs) of those. Absolutely. I didn't really put those in in, in the category. Um, But I think as an actor... I don't think you should do them, really. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, look. You're not, you're not much to gain from them, really, have you? Like, long. You might get a, an overnight boost in kind of bookings, but in the long run. I think if you're. Look. It's. If you're looking to reinvent your career, that seems to be a path. And yeah. it's not, that's, not, that's not a hot take. I mean, that's like, that's what it is, isn't it? Everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I 
would uh, never step foot on a dance floor in a kitchen or in a mastermind chair. Yeah, two shot podcast. The, the reality TV show is not happening anytime soon, is it? Uh, Katie Bainbridge, this is the last one I am going to ask of hers because you know we've got tons to get through. But what are your top five tips for staying cool? I'm going to say, what is your top tip for staying cool in the UK heatwave? Well, um, at the moment, I'm in a trailer with air conditioning. Lovely and. As I told you before, yesterday I was stuck for five hours in a trailer waiting to go on set with an 11-year-old child. So the air conditioner was our friend. Um, and it was uh, it was welcome. It's a rarity, though, in this country, AC, isn't it? Like, you go abroad and everyone's got AC. I've, not been, I've, not, I've never lived in a house that's got it. I've never... I've rarely stayed in a hotel that's got it that functions properly. So... I don't know. Have you, that, that's your one. If you've not got AC, what are you doing? Stripping down? Well, obviously it depends where I am. If I'm at work, it's not going to be really conducive to the environment that I'm in if I'm just sort of stripping off. Um, but, you know, we're filming in the... So I'm, you know, I'm working in the summertime and it's super hot at the moment. And the thing is, I'm suited and booted. I've got to get on. But we were filming a scene today. I can't really talk about the show at the moment. Of course. But there was... For all intents and purposes, a, we were filming at a Comic-Con event. Uh, um, what do they call them? Convention. Convention, yeah. that's the word. So there was a lot of people dressed in leather and fur and um, hoods. And I really felt for all the supporting artists as we were walking through because they were... And, you know, lots of makeup on their face... In the blazing sunshine, there was there was no shelter at all, and it was a very long and hot day. So, uh, yeah, run to shade as soon as you can. But there's nothing you can do. You've got to sort of get on with it and then get cooled down as possible. But, you know, look, look at where we are. We don't have to worry or moan about it too much. I know, I know. I'd say um, cold shower with your clothes on. Have a, have a shower with some shorts on and then go outside again and you'll be ready for a, a good half hour or so. Yeah, but also putting your wrist under uh, ice cold water. That is lovely. It is really lovely and it really gets it really gets to the, the spot that you need it. So the science behind that is that it, the, the, it cools your blood which then travels around your body. Absolutely. Yes. It does seem to work. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for Katie Bainbridge. Interesting yes. discussion points. Thank you, Katie. So this one is from an anonymous asker. They say, Hi, loved episodes of season 10 so far, especially when guests have bravely shared their stories about confidence and how they have been made to feel. On that subject, I wanted to ask how you have felt after these episodes. I can say that it has really helped me listening to these episodes. I want to stay anonymous, please. Yeah. Your wish is granted. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think there's certainly two episodes that spring to mind that um, our lovely anonymous emailer would be talking about. And the one that's had the biggest impact so far, certainly over the last few years as well, is the Terry White episode. And we recorded that myself and Terry one-on-one -on -one round at my house. Um, and unfortunately, you couldn't be there. I think uh, you were away for some reason. But um, 
and I just sent you that. I don't think I told you anything about it. So I just mm. sent you that to work your Griff magic on and then for you to listen to. But it it was incredible for me and we, because, I, as you can hear in the episode, I think we both got... I got quite up... I, I was on the brink of being upset mm. at one point um, because of her bravery and her, her honesty. And I knew, because I'd read a lot about Terry and I'd wanted her to come on for ages. And, and obviously I knew she was a fan of the podcast it was and of course she was down the road in didsbury in manchester it was more it was so easy for us to do it um but she really was an open book but i was cautious about retreading over old ground about what she'd spoken about as everybody can hear from that episode which is why we we tried to sort of take different routes and also didn't want to give away anything uh, about a book because I wanted people to read the book. And funnily enough, just as a side note, I met uh, a friend of mine at the weekend and his wife and his children when myself and Hardy were in Covent Garden and he's a television producer and they're developing Terry's uh, show. They're the ones in charge of it. And I can't say who it is, but it's a fantastic production company who deliver some of the best shows that we're watching right now. How, Griff, how did you feel when you, you listened to it? Well, it's a story that deserves telling. And if, so, if it's in the, the hands of a skilled storyteller or a skilled production team like that, then I'm sure it'll be well, well worth a watch. But yeah, it was mm. a heavy hitter. And a lot of the emails and messages we've had seem to suggest that it, it hit home. I mean, it's a pretty unique story yeah I think. absolutely um but there's so much that nearly everyone that listens can take away from it um just pretty inspirational woman isn't she yeah and i mean so down to earth but so intelligent and open um you know i think as terry might have said on social media we could have gone on for longer but it was uh it was a cracking episode i really enjoyed it I really, really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, a highlight of a season of highlights. Yeah, I think. I think so. I mean, you know, I, I know people do email in sometimes and say, oh, what's your favourite episode? And I don't want to be trite and go, well, they're all great. Because, you know, I mean, pretty much I am really proud of <laughs> like 99% of everything we've done over the last five years. But when something comes along like that, and Terry sat down at my dining room table. I offered her a cup of tea and water. She didn't want anything. She went, no, she would just crack on. And we just got down to it. Um, and it really was, you know, if anybody wanted to say, oh, what is it you do at the Two Shot Podcast, that would be a template. Because it was a great conversation of two people that had never met before. Um mm. And it's uh, it's it's enriching, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, that that's how I felt, and I'm, I'm glad it had an impact with you and everybody else. To be honest, yeah, definitely. Right, let's move on to a few of these uh, Instagram ones. They're a little bit shorter and sharper. Oh, that's okay. That's good. Short and sharp's good. Sam Taylor says, "Any more culinary guests lined up, mm. or Craig's home cooked meals?" Well, yeah. The thing is. Um, I've been talking, as I may have alluded to in the past, to one of my 
favourite uh, restaurant reviewers and journalists. And I know that she's been busy, but luckily she is a fan of the podcast, so I'm hoping we're going to get her on at the back end of season 10. I'm buzzing for that um, one. Yeah, I'm buzzing for it because she's no nonsense. I've just I've just finished reading uh, her nov book. And I said novel, no, it's a book. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, I, I don't want to say her name in case it doesn't happen because yeah. that's a terrible thing to say. Well, that's a good, good clue but, anyway, good teaser. Yeah, it's a good teaser and... Do you know what? I've been to a lot of restaurants that she's recommended and she's pretty much bang on the money. And I was, the funny, years, a few years ago, I was in a restaurant in Manchester and a friend of mine said, oh, you've got to come in. It's in the restaurant. So I went in and I just sort of sat there. She's just finishing off now. She's over there. And I looked over and she did not look happy <laughs> at all. And then the restaurant review came out, and it just she, she just took savage. But you know, you know, it justified. She took it to town, and you know, she's right um, the majority of the time. But um, yeah, I, I like her work, and I I, th- I like her immensely. So I can't wait to have her on. Yeah. So yeah, Me too. cross cross fingers. Me too. And any culinary guests. Um, they're always more than welcome on, especially if they invite us around to their establishments and give us delicious mm. food like Gary Usher did and others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a restaurant that I adore in London. Um, it's called St John, and he also has another one called St John Bread and Wine. It's Fergus Henderson, and I will shout out, yeah, he's had quite the extraordinary life. And I'm never really starstruck. But when I used to live in Gloucestershire, I went to the pub one night, local village pub. This 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 local village, it's super local. There was a pub and a church opposite. That was it. And so I went there with some friends and I went out, I was smoking cigarettes at the time and I went outside and a fella asked me for a light and it was Fergus Henderson from St. John. And I gave him his, I gave him his light, and it was the only time that I've been like proper superstar struck. Uh, but yeah, he's somebody I'd love to sit. Get him booked, man. With. Yeah, hit him well, up. Well, I mean, hopefully, I've never heard him on podcasts. I mean, well, that's what we do. I yeah, know, but he's podcast. he's had uh, he's had quite the time. We'll see if he, he would be up for it. Was in make it up and and, and, and and capable. Hey, look, if anyone can make it happen, I can make it happen. Well, right, you magic. Crack on. Next. Uh, you've been cast. Uh, this is from Gregor Copeland. You've been cast in your dream project. Who is the director, co star, and what film genre? Oh, my God. You see, whenever anybody asks me things like that about dream projects or what you would want to do, I don't know because it's like. I'm reading stuff all the time and it comes in and I go, oh my God, this is fantastic and it's so original. So I would never have thought of it. Yeah. So to project it. But I will say, I, one of the genres that I think is the hardest to give everything to, but also succeed in, is the romantic comedy. Right. <laughs> there are so many 
bad romantic comedies. If people, if you ask the question about, oh, what's your favourite romantic comedy, and you've vox popped like 100 people, you know fine well Harry met, when Harry Met Sally would be up there okay. across, a, across a generation, I think. Griff, where do, where do you stand on this? What do you what do you think of the rom- the romantic comedy? Um, I'm terrible at remembering films, so I'd have to look at a list of romantic comedies to see which ones I'd actually seen. I imagine it's fewer than five. <laughs> so no, I've not seen When Harry Met Sally. I know it's one of those that you oh. kind of osmosize a little bit of the plot. Yeah, and... You're just are you just saying you've never seen When Harry Met Sally on this podcast? You know you're going to get a lot of social media. I don't media even know who's in it. Or what, you know. Oh for. F- what? I've hardly seen okay, any films, what? man. Like, I've not seen many at all. I don't watch them. I don't watch films. Who are you? Michael Owen, the footballer. <laughs> you know, I know nothing about football. But doesn't Mike... Hasn't Michael Owen's in, like, three films in his life? My mate Mitchell's famously never seen Titanic. That's his uh, big claim to fame. That's, I'm, I'm happy with Mitchell. He doesn't need to see it. <laughs> um, I think, look... Romantic comedy yep. is the genre. Who directs romantic comedies? Is there a big name director in that genre? Woody Allen, I guess, but he's kind of well. We can't. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean that's that's problematic <laughs> at the best of times. I mean, are they obviously are they rom-coms? Saying, um, I've seen a few of them. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, of sorts, yeah. But you know, uh, Nora Ephron, obviously, amazing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Do you know what? Maybe it's an unknown director who's out there right now. Yeah. I'm a big supporter of new talent, obviously. And I've worked with enough first-time directors and the majority of them have been outstanding. So, um, yeah, maybe it's out there. Co-star. Oh, do you know what? Vigo Mortensen. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's a love story between me and Vigo or myself and Perry Fitzpatrick. Everybody's saying, that me, every, everybody's saying that me and Perry Fitzpatrick need a drama for us to play brothers. He's my younger brother. I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think that's a romantic comedy, but that's another story. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Of course you would. The Batgirl says... Can you do an episode where you, you two talk to each other about your lives? That's basically what we're doing at the moment, so, yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, but the thing is, we don't, me and Griff don't sort of sit down and do these things and talk about our lives and our, because, well, because we don't find it interesting. <laughs> and we, we've always been, you know, the very sort of, uh, point of this podcast was to not have focus on us um and the thing is it's been pretty successful so far so we're going to carry on like that doing things like this with me and griff is probably as exposing as it's gonna be would you agree indeed Thomas? yeah where we can hide behind yeah. a barrier of uh, flippantness and comedy and sarcasm <laughs> i think so yeah uh Rachel Padden says, are there any jobs you really wanted but didn't get and were later glad you didn't? Um, no, not really. Although there's a, an actor I'm working with at the moment and she said to me yesterday afternoon, she said, oh, I've got to, uh, I've got to go and meet 
so-and-so, so-and-so, quite famous theatre director in the morning uh, for this play, and it goes over Christmas. And I said, oh, well, fantastic. I said, is it, you're just going to have a chat? Said, yeah. I said, oh, God, I met him, like, in my early 20s. And I was a bit annoyed with him. Mm. She said, why? I said, because I went in, spoke, and I auditioned. And um, he pretty much basically offered it me in the room. And obviously, I was, you know, 22, 23. So I walk out of that room on air thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be working with... yeah." Delete, delete name of famous theatre director here. Yeah. And then, about two weeks later, I get a card sent through my agent at the time from this famous theatre director saying, it was so lovely to meet you, I'm really sorry, but uh, things haven't worked out. And I was really upset. Yeah. And really, I thought that this was the norm. And then, about six weeks later, I was in a theatre, and he was sat in front of me. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we were leaving for the interval, and we just bumped into each other. And he said, oh, hi. And I said, oh, hi. I said, look, can I just say, um, I was a bit sort of just flummoxed by it, really, and a bit embarrassed. And uh, I said, oh, thank you so much uh, for the the card. He sent me, and he went, "Oh, I, I sent you a card, did I?" Said, well, <laughs> well, well, that means you must have done very well. And then walked off, and I went, "Wanker, what a prick!" Um, Dodged a bullet there, mate. Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. What a turd! Fuck that dude. <laughs> um, That's producer Griff telling it like it is. Well, you know. Yes, I do know. Would you, write Kate Bent, Kate Dot Bent? says, would you rather be a dinosaur or own a dinosaur? Well, being the father of an 11-year-old boy who um, was, and, and, you know, to some extent is still fascinated with dinosaurs, I would like to own one, but I would like it to be in a cage facility. Yeah, small one as well. Well, as a bambino, yeah. And then we get, certain experts to look after it and feed it and we can watch it from afar i'm sure you could make it pay for itself as well couldn't you you know it wouldn't be that much maintenance like if you put it somewhere else and it could kind of self-perpetuate with visitors fees and shit like that i won't want one on us around the house sorry i won't want one around the house no not at all no but the thing is if this is the only baby dinosaur in the world, then mm. we've got ourselves um, a two-shot theme park, and that's just it. It's just a dinosaur. <laughs> you can pause there I mean, in the middle, but I filled in the blank with something I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, much preferable to be in one. I mean, that'd be fun for three or four minutes. I always think those um, very lifelike. T-Rex, like, animatronic, semi-animatronic suits that they wear in the dinosaur productions look very fun. So I'd, I'd like to own one of them and uh, exist a dinosaurish existence for a day or two. But, yeah, being one full-time, be no fun. Well, well, I was on the um, the tube this morning, and there's um, 
a Jurassic World experience that's opening at the end of this month, August. Yeah. And they said it's the the closest you'll ever get to a dinosaur. So obviously I'm going to have to take uh, my son to that um, at some point. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't mind going to that, to be honest. Well, I'll take you too, if you want. Please. I don't mind taking two children to the <laughs> dinosaur. <thing. laughs> um, okay, next question. Can we just, oh, just, just before we get to the next question, can we just shout out our past guest, uh, Eddie Shepherd, Because... Uh, you and your lovely partner went to his house. Indeed. Earlier this week. Spectacular. Um, just just tell me, tell me the highlights. I mean, how many courses? It was 10 plus, was each of which was a, a different culinary dimensional escapade, I'd say. Like the theatre, the entertainment value. Um, yeah, I've had... A bunch of posh meals in my life, but I don't think any of them had the kind of gastronomical uh, funness to them that Eddie Shepps did. So it's... No, but also that Eddie's a one-man band. Yeah. There's nobody there cleaning up or serving the dishes or talking about the dishes. He does it all. You know, usually when you go to those posh restaurants, the waiter comes up, places the the... Uh, courses down in front of you, explains what they are, and goes off. Eddie just announces to the room, I say the room, it's like it's a grand dining room, it's not. It's his kitchen, and there's what? Ten there's people. Eight, I think there was... Ten there. people. Ten people. Um, yeah, he's just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so lovely, and so interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you went. And did your partner have a, a lovely time because i know that she is vegetarian yeah she buzzed her head off of it i mean you're not limited this day and age in what you can have as a vegetarian but Mm-mm. yeah to have everything there plant-based as they say these days rather than vegetarian it's uh it's a miracle and not yeah. none of it tastes like anything you've ever had before so it's not like yeah you feel like i don't know it, everything's novel to your taste buds so it, it's just an experience for anyone the Walled Garden, it's, get on the waiting list. The Walled Garden, Eddie Shepard, get on the waiting list. You'll be eating food from space. Indeed, indeed. Um, did I tell you me and Hardy bumped into um, Joe in the Northern Quarter? Oh, God, how was that? <laughs> me and Joe on the corner of Northern Quarter. Fucking hell. I mean, it was just carnage. <laughs> um, He's always got value, isn't he? Oh, it's just great. It's just great. I'll preempt, yeah, he, preempt someone's question, actually. He was asking us if we could ask him when uh, if he'd come back on the podcast. So, yes, we will at some point I mean, soon. We can, I mean, we can ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's go for a question from I underscore spy five. Um, mm. They say, which one performance by an actor, M slash F slash NB, has taken your breath away. I mean, no brainer for me. Uh, it was quite recently, Mark Rylance in Jerusalem. I, I missed it the first time round when it was at the Royal Court and when it moved to the West End. And myself and my girlfriend had a weekend in London a while ago, and I was lucky enough to sort out some tickets. I have never seen a more committed, 
theatrical but almost cinematic performance on stage and real. It was gritty and dirty and rude and ugly and emotional. I mean, it was just... I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a play where you could go, oh, I... I know that, that I know who else could do that part. Nobody else could really play that part the way that Mark Rylance does. And I have a friend in in the production that I found out afterwards, and she said um, every night, every night, and if it's a two show day, every afternoon he is there. He is on point. He's on fire, and. He's so generous and kind. And, yeah, Mark Rylance, Jerusalem. Never seen anything like it. Incredible. Consummate professional. Your favourite actor's mm. favourite actor, I think, Mark Rylance. I think so, yeah. And I've, I've, I met him a few years ago. And, again, it goes back to when I, when I was smoking cigarettes. Should take it up <laughs> again, we mate. Sounds like it. No, I don't. Got you to great situations. <laughs> It's the way to sort of book guests. We were outside smoking at a pub because a friend of mine was in Endgame with him on Drury Lane and we went outside afterwards. The opposite of what... Obviously, he's a brilliant actor, but, like, the most calm, gentle, uh, slightly nervous but eloquent and super intelligent man. Mm. Um, Yeah. So Mark Rylance, Jerusalem for me. Griff, when do you go to the theatre, if you do? I don't think I've been to this theatre. What is... I saw Killian Murphy in uh, Ted Hughes' The Crow at the Barbican about three or four years ago. I think that might have been my previous theatrical experience. That was pretty astonishing. I, I think he's brilliant on stage. Yeah, he's sick. That's like a one-person show, that as well, so he... Uh, it was, I think there were two kids in it, but they didn't say anything. So, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Okay, so uh, Nessa, Nessa O'Brien. I'm struggling with all these names because they're all run together into, like, Instagram ads. It's not that I can't read. It's just I don't know where the gaps and the apostrophes are in them. So Nessa, okay. Nessa O'Brien says, what podcast do you listen to most? And do ye have a genre of podcast that ye prefer? Um, very little. If I'm honest. Oh, you're not listening listen to... to po- very, okay. I'm, I, I listen to very little nowadays, but I've just booked um, a podcaster and a... Well, if anybody listens to the Savage Lovecast, it's a sort of sexual relationship problem page podcast from a... a an absolutely no-holds-barred podcaster called Dan Savage. Um, and I've been in touch with his people, and we're going to do something in September together. Um, well, basically, we're, he's going to come on this, which I don't mind shouting out because I got an email confirmation today. And uh, he's so knowledgeable, so eloquent, so... I mean... No holds barred is the word for it. If somebody is, if someone writes in and goes, oh, so my relationship is this, he will tell them exactly what he thinks and what to do. 
and it's refreshing and it's funny and it's intelligent. And also, he always starts his podcast with uh, basically maybe a five to 15 monologue about the state of America, usually. And it's always quite political. Um, yeah, I think he's quite inspirational. I like him a lot. Want to subscribe, so I'm really pleased. Yeah, I'm really pleased he's coming on. So, uh, yeah, uh, Savage Lovecast, I like a lot. Great recommendation. Why do you think your podcast listening time has diminished over the past few years and have you just found other things to occupy your ears? Or is there um, another I think reason? it's, uh, well, I think it's time. I think it's time. Um, and also, let's be honest, there's a lot of rubbish out there. <laughs> there, is, there is, there is, there's a lot of nonsense out there. And I quite like learning from podcasts. Have I t- oh, have I told you? I've started, I had my first French lesson the other day. Yeah, we oui, say ça. Yeah. Well, bon. well, 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 uh, well, it was, but I've started from scratch and I've started with Babbel. No, they're not sponsoring us, but uh, I listened to Jay Rayner's podcast Out to Lunch a while ago when I was thinking about starting to learn French. And uh, I got a six-month with a six-month free. Nice. So I've got 12 months for the price of six. So, hey, Babbel, you want to come on board and support us? Uh, that's absolutely fine. They can do that. People are paying but, us yeah, at I'm least 15 it. quid for that kind of shout-out on this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> PayPal us. Okay, uh, let's have another couple of these. So, wait a minute, Griff. Sorry, what, do, what are you listening to? Because I can be a busman's holiday is what I find. Yeah, I mean... All the work that I do, generally, I can't have podcasts in my ears because I'm working on podcasts. Um, but I do still find a lot of time to listen to them. I've, um, I've not been doing as much driving as I used to do, and that used to be a good podcast listening time for me. I certainly don't subscribe to one genre uh, mm. above the others, but Switched on Pop is a favourite of mine. I've, I've probably shouted them out before, actually, on this. Switched on Pop's like super um academic breakdown of very very popular music so they'll kind of break down the music of britney spears very academically very eruditely and very entertaining uh, as, uh, um, uh, as in is it a song exploder type of thing or i'd say it focuses slightly it does focus it's very musicology musicological uh, in the same way that Song Exploder is. You know, they talk a lot about the kind of composition and stuff like that, but they also talk a lot about the sociological impacts and the kind of extra musical impacts that those people have had. It's, it's brilliant, dead, dead good. So I, I guess okay. I guess I do like music podcasts. Mm. Footy ones I listen to a lot. I work on a few brilliant ones that are probably worth shouting out. Popular Front is dead, dead good. Uh, the Monday Isle podcast that I work on is dead good. Um, yeah, could go on and on, but I won't. Okay, let's move on. Okay, let's go for Parminder Nagra says, why is Craig a knobhead? Lol. Wow, wow, wow. Can I just say, my good friend and past guest, Parminder Nagra, why is Craig a knobhead? Well, I mean, we could. this could be a podcast on its own, Parminder, she won't listen to this. She's in Liverpool, and I tried to call her the other day, and she was too busy to answer my calls. <laughs> That's why she's being like that. 
feel free to cut this out. Parmens Nagra, I love you with all my heart. Great response. KO Consulting says, where did... Oh, hello. This is, this is my friend Kathleen in Manchester. Okay. Hi, Kathleen. She says, where did you lose them? Where did I lose them? Yeah. Is that something that is there an in-joke? Where did I lose them? I mean, it must be an in-joke. I don't like in-jokes. Where did I lose them? No, not making sense. Kath- Ka- Kathleen, not making sense. We meant to read I mean, into that what we will. Our, virgin- yeah. our virginities, possibly. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's the type of podcast that we do. No, very British. You could Griff. come across very British when someone asks me something like that. <laughs> you really do. Definitely not. Uh, please feel free to explain what you meant in a subsequent question and we'll, we'll come back to you on that, Kathleen. Please do, Kathleen. Thank you. Um, I'm sure it's not that, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> Okay, Linz201 says, favourite musical? Oh, that's a very good question, isn't it? I have very fond memories, although I do feel it's problematic now. Um, When I was a child, we used to go to the other side of Blackpool on New Year's Eve and have a party with my mum's... uh, my mum's uncle... Um, a certain uncle's house and it would change from year to year and there was a big room for the adults and a big room for the children a smaller room for the children and there was one year when seven brides or seven brothers was playing and i thought it was the most incredible thing in the world and i thought i want to do that that'd be amazing i can't sing or dance for toffee um but if you go back to seven brothers seven brides or seven brothers now Deeply problematic. Really? Arc. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to go into it, Griff. Okay. You, I know, you, I know you're, look, you're looking at it going, I've no idea what you're talking I'll about. I'll Wikipedia it. Um, yeah. I mean, it'll give it you. I recently watched um, the remake of West Side Story that Spielberg did, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Tunes are sick in that, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Um if you want to know anything about musicals, I would veer you to listen to past guest Jenna Russell um, from a few years ago. She is my favourite um, actor who also acts in musicals. She um, she tells the story in song like nobody else I know and, and makes me cry all the time when she sings. She's beautiful and brilliant amazing yeah. amazing well what's what's her but what, what role have you seen her play in a musical well when i was 21 griff having been somebody who cannot really sing and certainly cannot dance i'm sure people know this my first job a week after graduating from drama school was a musical <laughs> in the west end of london and jenna russell was the lead uh, the lead actor, and that's when I first met her. Oh, lovely! And every night she would completely break my heart. And as a a twenty one year old graduate, I I do you know that old thing from eighties films when you look at someone <laughs> and they have like a, a haze around? Yeah, them. Yeah. I think I think I just completely fell in love with Jenna and everything what she did and how she conducted herself. And then when she was off stage and we would go out for drinks and 
she would just swear like a navvy and just be an absolute brilliant hoot of a person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dead good episode, that. Go back and listen to it. Yeah, that. brilliant episode, wasn't it? All right, let's do a couple more of these and then we'll have to call it a night because it is getting late and I've got to edit this before it goes out in the morning. So, Sam West, author, says, advice for starting a podcast, smiley face. Uh, yeah, don't. We've already discussed this. <laughs> yeah, we've already discussed this, Sam. Uh, I'd say, Unless... if, you are gonna, if you're dead set on starting one, just get it done and stop thinking about it. And uh, yeah, you can learn on the job. Yeah, I suppose I suppose don't overthink it, but make sure you've got a hook and you've got something to say. Sound advice. Um, Renedia Renedia says, "Is it fun on the set of Grace? Will there be a third series?" Um, yes, it's a lot of fun, and we start our third series in. 10 days time um yeah we're all looking forward to getting back we've got three films of grace to film in brighton this year and uh there's gonna be yeah it's yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun nice great insight yeet uh yeast rhymes and life uh says where does the best pint in manchester the best pint in manchester um i mean I'm partial to one of the greatest pubs in Manchester, which is the Britain's Protection. Yep. Very, very rich history for the Two Shot podcast there. Yeah. It was, it was, it was myself and Griff's first meeting in person. Indeed. We both, uh, we weren't drinking because we were both driving. I wasn't living north at that time. And that was the pub. Oh my god, that's so nice, isn't it? Mm. That's that was the pub that we wrote down all the names uh, that it, this podcast could possibly be on those dimpled uh, sort of brass tables <laughs> that they have in the Britain's Protection in the back room. I don't think the fire was going at the time, and then we called a few people and went, we've whittled it down to two names. And uh, yeah, I think British protection is nice. It's a good. It's, it's uh, top boozer. It's a, it's a top boozer. It's a proper pub. Yeah, British protection, Manchester. Yeah, it's a hot drinking destination these days, Manchester. Though, isn't it? You, uh, you don't struggle for a yeah. decent pint. No, I don't think you will. I don't know. I don't. Um, do you have any places? I don't really go to too many. I, I've, I've always had a boss time at, I know it's not quite in Manchester but Altrigan Markets is ace for a booze up oh um, it's great and I'll tell you what that Everyman Cinema in Altrigan Market at the back is it's a great Everyman I must admit they're good it's lovely. they're good yeah, yeah really worth, good. A, worth a trip on the tram so yeah that gets my vote um, the Stitch let's have this one from the Stitch Shop the Stitch Shop says what you reading Craig and Griff love Cheryl <laughs> So I uh, read on a holiday when I was in Cornwall uh, a couple of weeks ago a certain restaurant reviewer's book. Mm. It was a cracking holiday read. But what I've started now is a book called Reclaiming Conversation. It's called The Power of Talk in a Digital Age by Sherry Turkle. I've heard of that one. I'm just going to show it up. 
and show it up to the camera to Griff. It's um, looks like the two shot podcast yeah. logo on the front. Of there. It's very much two shot, isn't it? Those wooden chairs. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating about how we talk and about how we reclaim conversation and get away from our phones. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a deep it's a deep dive, and I'm really enjoying that. So what is it like? Essays or like what, is it is it an academic work or is it's it? It's kind of it's like uh, it's about the the. She's quite a voice in the discourse about technology. Um, maybe I should just right there. I'm trying to think. Let me just read read this short um, this short paragraph from from the first page because this kind of says it all. Go ahead. So she says, "Why a book on conversation? We're talking all the time. We text and post and chat." We may even begin to feel more at home in the world of our screens, among friends and family, among colleagues and lovers. We turn to our phones instead of each other. We readily admit we would rather send an electronic message or mail than commit to face-to-face meeting or a telephone call. That gives you... That's how it's going to go on. And it's about how we kind of get out of that and get back to this, which is actually quite beautiful because that was one of the foundations of this podcast is to regain conversation and get back to that. And certainly with actors and creatives, to not talk about the work, to talk about their lives and have this conversation, which is something we've been doing for for five years now. Nice. That's funny. That's only just that's only just come to me now. Actually, I think that sounds like a good place to leave it, man. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off. So, thank you so much for being here and downloading and being with myself and producer Griff. Until next time, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, <laughs> and this has been the T Shop Podcast. We will see you next week. Take it easy. Nice. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers. Cheers.